This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Welcome to Carla Frederick. She's the executive director of the Christensen Fund and an expert on Native American law and tribal sovereignty. And she's going to talk to us about the significance of the confirmation of Deb Holland uh, and her new place as the uh, the Interior Secretary, the first Native American woman to head a cabinet uh, department. Uh, welcome, Carla. Thank you for having me. So let's, I think maybe the way to open this up a little bit is, um, let, let's, I mean, not to do the full um, full history lesson, but I don't think a lot of people quite understand just the sort of hurdles uh, put in the way of Native Americans uh, to be a part of the political process at all, uh, to vote uh, and, and so forth, much less uh, to, to become you know, parts of uh, uh, Joe Biden's uh, administration. So why don't we just talk about like, you know, some of some of that leading up, because I think it gets to the significance of of uh, Secretary Holland's uh, um, place in history now. Sure. Um, and I think that one of the important things to remember is that for Native people, you know, there's a long, millennia long, more than that, history um, of our existence in the United States, um, predating the existence of the United States itself. And then there's um, a whole history of colonization and the doctrine of discovery leading up to um, the forming of our republic um, that we have now. And then there's all of the... um, history that the United States itself has with the tribes and with Native people. And I bring that up um, in part to share that um, the Interior Department has had a very interesting role um, in terms of the United States policy um, with respect to Native American people. Um, Many people uh, may not know that the Interior Department was actually established in 1849. It's one of the federal agencies, and it's a newer cabinet position. Um, But prior to that, the United States did have a department that dealt with Native Americans. Um, And it was um, what now we call the State Department, which back then was called the War Department. And um, the Bureau of Indian Affairs actually was established in the War Department in 1824. And so you have this really interesting history with the Interior Department. The Interior Department was actually established because the United States, with westward expansion and with forced removal and colonization, all of a sudden had a tremendous amount of land resources. And so a decision was made to elevate the department to to this type of size and, and cabinet level at that time because the issues were so significant for the country. Um, and it was, almost, it was almost the real estate department yeah, <laughs> in exactly. some ways. Exactly. And, and when you think about the transition from, um, from, for native people of, from the war department to 
the real estate department, um, <laughs> you know, some questions might arise about how that all came to pass. And um, I think over the years, it's become clear that the interior department has a very interesting positioning with respect to Native peoples. And the United States has a very interesting positioning with respect to Native peoples and a very brutal history, as we all know. So to have something like this happen, to have a cabinet level appointment of um, a Native woman um, who um, you know, is an enrolled tribal member and has worked extensively for her own tribe and other tribes, um, it's, a, it's a pretty significant moment, if not the most significant um, in terms of US policy and Native Americans. Yeah, and I, I think also just her I mean, her story is is so, you know, it's so American. I mean, she, you know, she made some comments on the, uh, the on the on the House floor uh, this week as she she gave her farewell speech, and you know, and and sort of, you know, she said as a thirty fifth generation <laughs> uh, American, um, and you know, most people don't. That's not they 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 cut it off at around like seven or eight generations, something like that, uh, because they think of it as seventeen seventy six. But you know, she's as you, as you mentioned, like tracing her lineage back millennia, um, and then also just that that she has. Um, it it seems like she dealt with some of the some of those big issues that still, you know, that, that Native people still deal with. I believe that it's the fact that I relied on food stamps to feed my family that makes me qualified to advocate for families like mine. It's the fact that I overcame addiction that makes me qualified to help people who are in their own struggles. It's the fact that I know what it's like to be Indigenous that makes me qualified to advocate for our country to meet its trust responsibilities. But then there becomes this steady um, kind of journey that she's on to being a part of the political process. She opened a business and then she started working for, you know, um, you know, like New Mexico, the New Mexico Democratic Party. She was part of Barack Obama's campaign. And then all of a sudden, you know, she's <laughs> heading up this, uh, this department, which has uh, a, the oversight of just millions and millions of acres and miles of, of land that... You know, when you think about like where the Interior Department was just in the last administration, you know, Ryan Zinke, uh, Donald Trump's first Interior Secretary, uh, he, you know, was a, a a big buddy of the extractive industries, uh, as 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 a lot of folks uh, in the Montana political process are, uh, or p- political apparatus. Those are the folks who went after her the hardest during her confirmation hearings. What what was going through your mind when you when you saw the way you know Steve Daines, the Republican senator from Montana, um, uh, Ryan Zinke's former colleague, was sort of questioning her about whether one whether she was qualified, and two how how she would deal with what has been a cozy relationship between the extractive industries and the Interior Department for a long time. It's really interesting. Um, when you lay it out that way, because it really demonstrates how um, conflicted the, de- the department can be, you know, sort of depending on the um, on the political issues that are happening um, in the administration. So, you know, with respect to the Trump administration, people were not only cozy with oil and gas, you know, they were sitting on the boards of some of these companies that um, were uh, awaiting permits 
from the federal government to build um, extractive industry projects. And so the, the department is really vulnerable to that type of conflict. Um, and one of the things that's just uh, exceptional about Holland's nomination and appointment and confirmation is um, no one could attack her on conflict of interest. Like it's just, it's just not there. Like that's not the work that she's done. Um, she has really been somebody who has had a very clean record and is not engaged in that sort of thing. And I think that's a crucial matter for the department. I mean, not only with respect to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which I would say the department's a little bit conflicted about those issues just by its very um, structure, but with respect to the potential um, to open up our public lands um, for um, this type of development, you know, to have folks in there who are not committed to stewarding that land on behalf of all Americans is very troubling. Yeah, I I also I'm I'm curious, you know, what you know does this open up, you know, the process you think for for other um Native Americans to see, you know, like uh, see Holland as a as a role model and Sharice Davids, her her colleague uh, from Kansas who was elected also in 2018. I mean, there are there there there's always been a small sort of contingent, I think, of of you know, uh, there's usually at least one or, or a couple of Native Americans in in Congress. Um, Tom Cole, uh, a Republican from Oklahoma, Mark Wayne Mullen, also from Oklahoma, um, back in the day. Ben Nighthorse Campbell from uh, Colorado, um, first a Democrat, then a, a Republican. Um, but this, th- I, I feel like that the lack of seeing people, somebody in a position, you know, is is always, it's always about representation. And she seems to take that very seriously. Um, do you think that this is going to increase some, you know, like the, you know, political activity or political interest in participating in electoral politics with the with, uh, Native people? Certainly. Um, You mentioned at the outset of our conversation that there have been tremendous impediments put in place to get Native people to vote. And um, we know from the data that Native Americans in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Arizona really swung the election um, toward its outcome. And I think that there's a deep interest um, in Native American communities of having voice in the political process. Um, you know, some interesting things happened between 2016 and now. You had the um, grassroots movement that really became a national or international movement around the Dakota Access Pipeline in 2016. Um, the election of um, former President Trump in 2016. Um, in 2017, the Trump administration's first um, couple executive orders were around um, approving the Dakota Access Pipeline and Keystone XL Pipeline. And then in 2018, I think a real commitment um, from Native American voters and communities to have their voices heard um, in these broader processes that deeply affect them. Um, and the election of Congresswoman Holland um, in New Mexico, and then the election of Congresswoman Davids in um, Kansas, which was not, um, you know, heavily Native American um, turnout. And, and of course, um, Congressman Cole and, and Mullen out of Oklahoma um, continuing to fulfill those roles. So, 
Yes, I think that there's interest in the process. And I do think that the people in these very public leadership positions um, are important for Native Americans throughout the country and indigenous peoples throughout the world to look to, to see the possibility of that. I also think there's a conversation happening about um, not confusing indigenous representation with indigenous leadership. And and I think that's happening across communities of color. So there's this uptick that's in interest in DEI and, you know, having inclusion and equity. But I think that what com- communities of color are sort of a couple of steps ahead of the current conversation that's happening um, more broadly and really thinking about, um, about self-determination in a different way um, and trying to really have the ability to make decisions on issues that deeply impact their communities. Yeah. And um, I'd be remiss too, and in, in not noting that um, it, Alaska, you know, is this sort of interesting case study of native American em- empowerment where, you know, obviously to me, at least from my perspective, like Lisa Murkowski, who is up for re-election in 2022, uh, is aware <laughs> that if she does not get the Native American vote, uh, that she could be in trouble. And, you know, she, so she, and I'm not saying that that's because she supported uh, Deb Holland's uh, nomination to be interior secretary, but it certainly didn't hurt. <laughs> um, and also her, you know, and she's a Republican and Don Young, uh, who uh, is the, the congressman at large in Alaska also, I mean, he introduced her uh, at her confirmation hearing. So they, they seem to know (laughs) that this is an important issue uh, for for their state and also not what you would think the, the tribes there uh, and, and the interests there are, they diverge a little bit from some of the issues, uh, particularly on environmental stuff and extractive industries. They're a little friendlier towards it. So it is, it's an up, you said it's an uptick and, and it isn't, it isn't a, um, a uniform set of of policies or politics that's that is prevailing either. It's it's pretty diverse. Yeah, and that's it's a really great point because I think that we tend in the past few years, you know, there's been this real entrenchment um, politically where you know it's really a zero sum game in terms of politics, and I think what you see with respect to Indian policy is it's it's not that way. Um, that there's just a real complexity to these issues. The tribes are uh, very um, aware and work within that complexity all the time. And when I watched Holland's confirmation hearing the first day, um, one of the panelists was really giving her a hard time about going to the Dakota Access Pipeline protest. And I was just struck by how that was characterized. Um, The issue around the Dakota Access Pipeline wasn't that the tribe itself was anti-oil or, um, you know, whatever. Um, It was really that um, they didn't want a pipeline being built 500 feet from the reservation boundary at their water supply source. Um, And the issue that for Native American people around that pipeline was about the lack of consultation and the lack of them being able to make decisions on issues that impact them. And so, you know, as you mentioned, Alaska is such an interesting diaspora of these issues because you have the Alaska Native corporations that are some of the biggest players in oil and gas up there. And you also have Alaska Native communities that are subsistence communities that really oppose that type of development. And 
Murkowski and Young really have to situate themselves in such a way that they can have a consistent policy that will um, really uh, honor the needs of those of their constituents. Um, and that's not an easy task. So I think that, you know, that I think that what Holland can do very uniquely because she lives and breathes and knows these issues is to really, I think, disrupt this identity politics stuff um, within um, this, you know, within this branch of government and really embrace the complexity of these issues and message on some clear um, obligations that Interior has to the American people and to Native people um, around some of these very serious issues um, for our public lands and waters and our tribal lands. I think that's a great place uh, to to wrap it up. And uh, Carla Frederick, thank you very much for for talking to us about this uh, sort of uh, kind of I almost say it's like a pivot point in American history. Um, these these are uh, worth sort of uh, having a little bit longer conversations than just the headlines. So I appreciate you uh, talking about it. Yes, thanks for your interest. <laughs>